We love you, Papa. With all that we know how, we love you. And with all our hearts, we want them to be open to you to receive your love to us. For that love to come in and transform us into the true sons and daughters you want us to be. Hear our cry, please, O oh Lord. Let it be the real me that cries out to the real you. And Papa, I ask you to speak through the real me. Words from the real you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk a little bit today about where we started. Remember a long time ago when we started with the two deaths we talked about, remember? How do we really change? Well, there's two things that, that have got to die before that really and truly happens. The death of our wrong view of God the Father. It's, it's got to die. It's got to bite the dust. And the other death was the death of our outer shell, our false self, our sinful nature, our self-life, that life that puts self on the throne. So those two deaths are what we're looking at. And that those two deaths are what are essential for us to becoming who we truly are and to be able to truly change. To love and be loved. This is the goal of every person. Some people think it may be to make money. Some people may think it may be to be successful. Some people may think it may be to be accepted. But ultimately, and in the deep heart of every soul, this is the goal, to love and be loved. Without love, there's no peace, there's no contentment, there's no satisfaction in things, there's no satisfaction in people. If there is a satisfaction in any kind of addiction, it's short-lived and you crash. And you need more the next time. Then you crash further until it's nothing but a black hole that you're pouring into. Any kind of addiction, any kind of idol in your heart is going to detract from true love. Even if it's another person. I know people that love the Lord, but they love their child more. I know people that love the Lord, but they love their spouse more. I know people that love the Lord, but they love their own way more. It's not enough to just love God. You have to abandon to God. You must surrender everything to Him. It's not about this compartmentalized person that you are and you give your spirit to God and you've got your mind and your will and your emotions and your body to do with what you want. God wants all of you. If you want to really change, you've got to be able to surrender everything to him. That doesn't happen in one day. It doesn't happen in one week or one year. It can happen just like that. But for most of us, it happens over the course of a lifetime. I haven't surrendered all. I want to, but I'm not there yet. But I'm on the journey. I know the wickedness in my own heart. I know the selfishness in my own heart. But I'm continually keeping that before the Lord. Staying vulnerable as I can before the Lord. If you live with a persona, you're sinning against your true self. That doesn't mean if you color your hair or if you 
paint your fingernails, or if you adorn yourself outwardly, ladies, or guys, if you work out, or whatever, that doesn't mean that at all. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? The, your, the persona that you put forth is a false image of who you really are, and many of us don't even know who we really are. We don't know our own self. I mean, have you ever taken the journey with the Lord to go into your prayer closet and just sit down before him and, and just say, Lord, who am I? Who am I? I'm a woman, but who am I? Not what do you want me to do, not what my calling is, but who am I? I am a daughter of my Father God. You are a son or a daughter of Father God. Whether you've come home to him or not, I don't know. If you're on the road home to him, I don't know. Hopefully all of us are on the road home to Father God. But who are we really? With our personas, we put up an image, not what we think we ought to be, but what we think you think we ought to be. We put up a persona for other people. We don't do it for us. It's a lot of work. Do you know how hard it is to keep a persona in place? To keep a false self in place? To try to be somebody that you are not. And sadly, what happens in so much of church life, without even realizing it, this performance thing kicks in. And we think we've got to have this certain persona, this certain demeanor to look right and be accepted in the church as a Christian. So we learn the persona of what I call Christianese. We learn to walk the walk and talk the talk and have the look and say the right things and not go too far saying this and not go too far saying that. We learn the etiquette of church behavior. And some of us lose ourselves in that performance. And then we wonder, what has happened to my relationship with Jesus? We started out loving him, wanting him, desiring him. We wanted to serve him. We wanted to serve his people. We wanted to come into wholeness. And somewhere along the line, this outer shell, this persona, this false self kicked in and took over. And we didn't even know it. And then the enemy, when he sees that happening in us, he, man, he's happy. Because now he can bring all the stuff that's out of sorts in you, all the dysfunction, all the brokenness, and we all got it, you know? We all got them. We're, none of us are, are complete. We, we all have been, been sinned against or we have sinned against others. And both. Not either or, it's and both. And so we end up burned out, we end up depressed, we end up exhausted, we end up angry. We end up wondering, what is the thing that I'm missing? Where did I miss it, God? I want you the best I know how. I cry out for you the best I know how. What is going on here? And if we could get real with ourselves. And get back into that prayer closet with the Lord. And just sit down and cry out, who am I? The person that I present to you, Lord, is, it, is that the real me? Is the person that I present to my family the real me? Or did I learn, to ha learn how just to survive in my family? Am I just a survivor? 
Am I, am I still a victim? Am I still caught in my brokenness? Has some hurt or loss deformed me, Lord? Has something ripped and taken from me your life in the spirit? You have got to do your homework with God. Do you really want to change? You've got to go through those hard times of saying, talk to me, God. I need to know the truth. How much of me is persona, the outer shell, the false self, that victim, that martyr, that that damaged goods? How much of me is is maybe it's the other. Maybe you feel the other way. You know, I'm pretty good if I could just get this one thing fixed. I'd be a pretty good person. You know, this was Clay's thing. God, if you just take care of this homosexuality thing, I'd be a great guy. He could sing, he could talk, he could communicate. God was moving through him. Just this one thing. Pride. Self-control. And then what happens? You bounce from one end of the self-control, pride, I'm a pretty good person, to I'm nothing. And instead of getting his perspective on who we are, we live in the mud puddle of how we view ourselves and how we think others view ourselves. And we miss the ocean because we refuse to receive God's perspective of who we are. When you can begin to see yourself as God sees you, you can begin to live your life freer of that persona. I don't know of very many people in less than one hand of people that I think live without any persona. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I, I do strive to be real all the time, but I know sometimes I fail. Because there's times that I want to stand up and scream. And I don't do it. And I don't mean scream to sin against somebody, but I mean to be true to myself and to release something in me that is an agonizing expression. And to do that, I need I would need to scream out in agony. Do you know what I'm saying? When you know that you have pain and you maybe you're you just kind of leak tears, but what you really want to do is sob. But you've got too much etiquette to really let yourself go. Do you know what I'm saying? There's all different kinds of ways that we limit ourselves because of our own expectations on ourselves, but mainly for expectations of what others may think of us if we really expressed ourselves or we really lived our life or if we really came out of our dungeon that most of us live in with the moat around it, with the alligators and the crocodiles and the moat to keep anybody out. And the sad thing is we don't only do that with people, we do it with God. Don't get too close. Don't get too close. We say we want him, but then we say, oh, wait, 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 not, not, not that much. We want our deep primal root issues dealt with, but not too much pain. Not, not, not all at once. What if I lost my mind, God? Wonder if I start letting it up. Wonder if it all came up and I went crazy. I love what Elizabeth Fuge says in one of her novels, Scent of Water. If I lose my mind, I lose it into the hands of God. I lose it into the hands of my Father. We have to be desperate desperate, starving, hungering, thirsting after righteousness 
if we want to change. Just to have the branches dealt with of stuff that's out of sorts in our life is helpful. It keeps us functional, but I don't want to be just functional. I want to be real. I want to live. Some people are afraid to live. If you have that fear, that's something you need to talk over with your papa. I'm really afraid. I don't know who I am. If I got well, what would I be like? You don't have to fear who your true self is. God created you in his image, in his likeness. He wants the absolute best for you. He wants to love you, and he wants you to be able to love. This is why I said that the goal of every person is to receive love and to love, because that's our freedom. Freedom doesn't come through courage. Freedom doesn't come through the other virtues on the human level, as good as they are. Freedom comes from being loved by a father. And I don't care what kind of father you had or didn't have, what kind of mother you had or didn't have, what kind of horrendous upbringing or excellent upbringing you had. You can't truly change unless you can receive the love of the Father and come to rest in the love of the Father. To love and to be loved. It's not sentimental talk. This is the root issue of our human existence. We were created by love, for love. We were created out of the overflow of love by the Trinity. Out of what I love what one author says, out of the laughter of the Trinity. We were created for communion. Communion with God. Communion with each other. And actually, a communion within our own self that does not include self-hatred. That does not include the need for a persona. Where there comes a place in your life where you can simply be. You don't have to do to please somebody or to please yourself. You know, for most of us, our own expectations are our hardest, hardest slave driver. But if I don't read my Bible this morning, if I, if I don't pray for an hour, if I don't go to church for a month, if I don't what will people think? Not really. It's the expectation you put on yourself. You put on a false expectation of legalism, thinking that this is Christian discipline. This is why a conference like this, where God has kind of taken us and done a turn into an invitation and an equipping and an impartation, rather than where we enter into deep healing and we have you stand up and we have the prayer team get involved. It's so different this time because God is wanting to download in you past this thing, past your will, past your emotions. Not, not, in, not in resistance to your will, I don't mean that. But he wants to put something down deep in here that begins to dislodge all those wrong concepts that you have about Father God and about yourself. And they're intimately connected, so intimately connected. God loves you, not only collectively, but personally. It's like Clay said, if you're not sitting at the banquet table, your place is empty. There is no other you in the whole universe. 
and you will live forever. Yeah, you'll step through the door of death, but you, the true you, will live forever in some respect. I wish I could just, you know, I love these guys in, in the fairy tale things, you know, where they have the fairy dust and they go, and it just kind of goes over and it just, oh, and you got it. It doesn't work like that. But if I could do that and blow courage out there, if you could take hold of the courage that you need to say, you know, I've done what I've always done. I've tried everything I know how to try. I keep doing what I've always done. I keep getting what I've always got. I really need the courage, Lord, to get before you and just let it all out. And maybe you've kept it in for so long, all you're going to be able to do is get before the Lord and just be there and let him begin to break open this, this outer shell. Whether it's a persona or whether it's a deep brokenness. But aren't you sick and tired of the stuff that holds you back? Give that to the Lord and let Him take that on. You don't get well by studying this stuff. You get well by keeping your eyes on the physician, on the healer on the one that is going to bring you through this and is bringing you through this. I mean, y'all wouldn't be here if you weren't seekers. You wouldn't come to a conference up called Beauty from Ashes or how do you, can you really change unless there's something in you that's driving you forward. It's the love of God. It's his love in your heart. If you think God doesn't know you and he doesn't know where you live or he's disappointed in you, that's all from the enemy. He loves you. It's his love that keeps you going towards him, towards the truth, coming to conferences, listening to tapes and reading books and praying and Bible reading and Lord, show me who you are. We keep going there, but we don't go there piecemeal. You do it one step at a time, but you do it abandoned one step at a time. You don't take something and leave it at the cross and sneak back up and grab it back and carry it yourself. Have the courage. To say, you know, I, I want to draw a line all the way around me. How many of y'all saw the uh, movie, The Little Princess? The Little Princess. You need to get that movie if you've not seen it, even you guys. There's a point in that movie where she has been abandoned to the attic of this place. She's alone. She believes her father, her earthly father, is dead. She's a little girl, maybe 9, 10, 11. She has the, her little doll that her daddy gave her, and she feels utterly and completely abandoned, rejected, hopeless. Everything is dark. And there's a piece of chalk there. And she pick, picks up the chalk, and there's a, a little candlestick which I think is very significant, the light of Christ. She takes that candlestick and puts it inside, and she takes the chalk, and she sits, in, sits on the floor and draws a chalk circle all the way around her. And she sits inside that circle, a circle of protection. And that's what we need to do. We need to get to the place where we realize we are utterly forsaken with all our own endeavors all of the ways that we have tried to do things has utterly failed. And we need to take the mark of the blood of Jesus Christ and draw a bloodline, the covenant bloodline, 
and the circle all about us. And we need to live in that place until he reveals himself to us. Nobody wants to hear this message. They want to go to counseling. They want to have this step and that step and this step. I want to do this workbook and have this thing and this thing and this thing to do. But to go into the sanctuary and shut the door and it's just you and God. You want to change? That's the recipe. You really want to change? That's the recipe. People can help you. Words I'm saying, they can help you. But if you really want to change, if you want to get the download and it become fleshed out, if you want the Christ life to flesh out in your life, if you want to become broken bread and poured out wine, if you want to be full of the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what happens, no matter what the news is, how bad it is, no matter how anxious or what what trauma can happen. There is a peace that passes understanding that people do live with. I live with peace all the time. And I say that with all integrity of heart before the Lord. His peace rules my life. I cannot imagine living in anxiety or darkness or depression. My life breath is Jesus Christ and the love of the Father. You can live like that. There are people that live like that. It is a reality. There is a part of you that is your spirit man. And the Holy Spirit comes and rules over that spirit man that is you. And that spirit man that is part of the true you then rules over your mind and will and emotions and body. And that's how you can have full peace. Because the Prince of Peace comes in through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and he colors all of life. You can have peace in the storm. You can have peace in the storm. You can be sheltered under the wings of the Almighty Psalm 91 isn't something pie in the sky, unreal, hope for one day. The words in Matthew 11, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's just not wishful, hopeful thinking that'll happen one day on the other side. He can truly give you rest. And from that place of peace, that place of abiding with him, then you are energized by love to begin to change. To begin to walk the walk of walking in the Spirit and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You practice hearing His Word. You practice putting yourself in His presence. And before long, you find you're living in His presence all the time. He's with you all the time. While I'm talking to you, I'm talking to Him. He's talking to me, I hope. You're in trouble if he ain't. <laughs> he is faithful. He is so faithful. And if your parents weren't, your father wasn't, say, so you know, they weren't. You don't got to get fixed with earthly messes before you go to God. Some counselors would have you believe you've got to get the earthly junk fixed, then deal with the God stuff. Forget that. You go straight to God the Father. Go straight to Him. Even if you don't know Him. Even if you have the wrong view of Him. Well, you know, Papa, I've, I've always, you know, worshipped Jesus. Jesus has been my Lord and my King, my Savior, my Redeemer. Now, I want to know you. Reveal yourself to me. Father me. You know, only a father can name you. Only a father can reveal your true self to you. Only a father can call you forth into your true self. 
Only a father can impart life to you. The real life. The life that is free in the spirit of Christ. It's the father's voice that is the blessing. It's the father's voice that is the affirmation in the life of a son or daughter. It's the yes to our humanness. It's Father's love that transforms us. And this is why, again, I come back to saying the goal of every person is to be loved and to love. Because the fruit of being loved, are you listening? Is that you are so loved that at some point that love is going to spill over. It can't help but spill over because it's a flow of living water. It's the flow of life itself. And this is where the whole principle of sharing in the kingdom of heaven comes in. It's all about sharing. It's all about sharing. There's no secrets in the kingdom of heaven. This is why there is no such thing as a new revelation. It's a revelation to us of the ancient words. Of the old, old story. Of the truth. We each need that revelation, not up here, but in our deep heart. Because that's where it changes us. We struggle and struggle and struggle to catch all this stuff with our intellects, with our minds. There's not anything wrong with that. God loves study. We've talked about that. But if you want to truly change, you've got to have the download. The revelation of Father God's love into your heart. Man was made by love and for love. This is the inner meaning of his existence, for it is only through love that man finds personal fulfillment. Our desire to love and be loved are distorted by our sin and our brokenness. This is why I say you've got to get alone with him and say, Lord, show me who I really am. What are my weaknesses? What are my faults? What are the things that I am deceived about? What are the things that I'm blind to that I need to know so I can move forward? Why am I so angry? Why am I still trying to perform? What is driving me in my brokenness? Lord, get to the root of me. But you don't do that by you trying to dig down to the root and you trying to carry the bricks. You do it by keeping your eyes on him. Practicing the presence of God, as Brother Lawrence says. Practicing the presence of what Jesus has done for you at Calvary. That's real life. You know, it's, it's sad to me. People come to conferences like this, come to church on Sundays, come to Bible studies, Christians that are involved in church life, in conference life, I mean, in bettering themselves, in growing in Christ. But they don't ever really change. They come, they listen, they're excited, they want more, they truly do. But nothing really changes. And why does, why does it really change? It's because of this total abandonment. You think you've given all of yourself? You haven't. I'm serious. You think you've given all of yourself? You haven't. As long as there's life, there's road of there's more of you that's got there's more real estate of you that's got to be given to Christ. Because when the real estate has all been given to him, you've stepped through the door and you're on the other side. This is good stuff, y'all. You look so... This is why Clay and I don't get invited back too many places, you know? 
It's really nice to talk about the stuff that makes you feel good. It's really good to talk about the stuff that, you know, makes you feel, you know, not so bad and, you know. But, you know, I want the truth. I'm hunger, hungry for reality. I want to be real. I want to become a true person. And all my faults and failings, and believe me, they're not going to go away. But, you know, you'll come to find that when you do fail, when you do fall, you fall towards Jesus. And when you get up, you run right into the Father's arms. Saying, look at me, Lord, I did it again. Look at me, I did it again. But you come to view yourself in what I call the dichotomy, the paradox of Christianity. You in your utter weakness and you in your utter strength. Your utter weakness in the sense of your humility. You come to Christ like a child, needy, crying Papa. You come empty. You come humble. But at the same time, you are imparted the authority of Christ to rise up in your true self and to live your life free with your spirit man ruling over all this junk in you that's still not right. Did you hear what I said? Not You don't wait till you get right to live right. Your spirit man rules all over all this other junk in your life that's still not right while you are walking in the spirit of Christ. And as you walk in the spirit of Christ with all the brokenness, you know, it's I, I think about the Charlie Brown comic strip. Remember, uh, can't think of the, 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 the kid that had the blanket with all the lioness with all the dust. That's how I see me sometimes. But you know what? I'm walking and the dust is flying, but I am walking in the spirit. I am keeping my eyes on Jesus. I am moving towards the father and he's the one who's dealing with the deep stuff. And if I need to be engaged, he'll call me to it. If I don't, he'll take care of it. But I'm walking in the spirit. The more that you choose to obey, which is the intense absolute beauty of an invitation into life the next time you find you're stronger to obey the more that you give in to temptation the easier it is next time because guess what you feel dirty and it's really easy to keep getting dirtier and dirtier but when you resist temptation then you're strengthened to resist it even more next time because you're not doing it alone. You're living it in union with the Lord who lives within you and is with you. Your Papa loves you. Your Redeemer, your Savior, Jesus Christ, is living within you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need for life. The Bible says that, and it's true. We've been given everything we need for life. Our spirit man can choose to rule over these other areas in our life. To resist temptation of the body. To rule over the way we think in our minds. Our wrong, broken patterns of thinking. Our, our patterns of self-hatred and putting ourselves down and of waking up and being squashed. Our spirit man rises up above that. See, the hierarchy of, of the human Humanness isn't body, soul, spirit. If we have to talk in those three terms, it's the spirit that's the biggest part of you. You know, so often we've been taught, you know, the spirit is like the, the like a, you know, what do you call those things? Target things. You know, your spirit man is the center part and then your soul is the next and then your body is the next thing. Well, that's what it looks like on the outward human level. But in the kingdom of God, it's just the reverse. Your spirit is this big... It's huge. It's an aura. I love to hear the stories of people that have died and come back. They talk about seeing the light around people. 
I just personally think it's just their, their spirit man is finally revealed. The light, the spirit, their true self is all of a sudden revealed. Your spirit man is huge. And when you say, Holy Spirit, come and let my spirit man be subject to you, totally abandoned to the Father, totally abandoned to Christ, and let me rule over the other members of my body, my mind, my will, my emotions, my personality, my intellect, what I think, what I feed on, what I look at, what I do, what I don't do. Begin to change me one choice at a time, one obedience at a time, one resisting temptation at a time. Every time I choose not to say a critical word, every time I bite my lip to not scream out and be angry. And some of you are saying, wait a minute, Mary, aren't you denying your true self if you do that? You obey God. Becoming your true self doesn't mean that you let all things hang out at the expense of blasting other people away. You can let all things hang out in the presence of God in your sanctuary where nobody else is. That's where you do it. You don't blast other people. There's no place to scream and be angry at another human being ever. Jesus was angry and he was authoritative and he spoke the truth. But to scream and rant and rave and have fits, it's sinful in all respects. There's a way to express your anger and love that brings, re that brings redemption and healing. That's the way we need to, to respond in, in love to people. Sin has inserted a huge chasm, a gaping rift on three levels in our life. Separation from God our Father, separation from each other, and separations within our own self. These three separations match the three barriers to healing. And most of you have heard these many times. The first one is a failure to receive forgiveness or the failure to believe that you're forgiven. The second is a failure to forgive others. First one is failure to receive forgiveness. In other words, a failure to believe that you're truly forgiven. The second is a failure to forgive others. And the third is a failure to come into healthy self-acceptance. Or you could say it like this, the failure to forgive yourself. But it's more than that. Now, these three separations can also be understood pertaining to love. The failure to receive forgiveness is on the same level as a failure to receive Father God's love. If you receive his love, you'll believe you're forgiven. You see what I'm saying? The second, the failure to forgive others is a failure to love others. Because if you truly loved, you would hold forgiveness out in front of you. Be ready to give it. The reason we forgive isn't because we weren't wronged. It's because we were wronged. How can I forgive him? You don't know what he did. You don't know what she did. Well, they did wrong, so you forgive them. You know, Jesus said we're even to love our enemies. And the third, the failure to come into healthy self-acceptance is a failure to become his beloved. It's the failure to become true sons and daughters of our Father. There's only three barriers to healing. That's the three. You can talk it, about it in reference of the separations from God, from each other, from yourself. You can talk about it in light of forgiveness not receiving forgiveness from the Father, 
not forgiving others and not dealing with coming into self-acceptance by forgiving yourself. Or you can talk about it in relationship to love. Failure to be loved, failure to give love, and failure to become beloved. Our work then as Christians is to set love in order. Mario Bergner has written a book entitled Setting Love in Order, talking about his struggle of coming out of homosexual behavior. And he centers, centers it around this theme of setting love in order. It doesn't matter what kind of brokenness it is, whether it's sexual or whether it's uh, some addiction, alcohol, drugs, sex, whether it's a porn addiction, whether it's uh, an addiction to perfectionism, compulsive behavior, whatever it may be, abandonment, rejection, it doesn't matter what the brokenness is, we're all healed the same way. We're all healed the same way. In his presence. And obeying what we hear in his presence. You are forgiven. You are loved. Do you obey that? Love others. Forgive others. Do you obey that? You're beloved. You're forgiven. Do you obey that? Obedience means believing just as much as doing. Because if you believe it, guess what? You'll eventually do the fruit of what you believe. Your life will be fleshed out and the fruit is your life. Your thinks, as George MacDonald says, will become things. They will be fleshed out. What you believe and hope and want in your imagination what you think what you see what you desire becomes fleshed out in how you live your life in acts of obedience as the scripture says if you want religious terminology faith without works is dead faith works it's fleshed out through our life god loves our humanness He's come to redeem us back to the Father in all respects of our life. As we set love in order, we receive the God who is love. His love within us becomes the way that we love others, and we become his beloved. First, we receive love himself. We were made to live in the overflow of divine love, the love of our Father God. Now, for some of you, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound to you like, I'm not so sure about that. Go read your Bible. Jesus is the way, but the Father is the destination. You need to let that soak in. What did Jesus say? John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, what? Comes to the Father except through me. He died on the cross reconciling us back to the Father. Jesus is the way. But the destination is Father God. The Trinity, the revelation of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we need all aspects of that dimension that we cannot grasp here. We need the revelation of it down here. Because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can stand and live and love and forgive in our true self. When in all human aspects, it's absolutely impossible to do. Because if you try to love, you might love a little bit in the human. But if you try to forgive, it won't work. It's supernatural. What, what I call incarnational reality. 
God in you, Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, a new Bethlehem in you. Christ is born anew every day you wake up. A new opportunity every morning when you wake up for Christ to be born anew in you, for you to stand up in your true self. Maybe you don't even know what that means, but you say, Lord, I want to be the true Mary. I want to be the true whatever your name. I want to be the true man, the true woman of God today. And with all that I know, I'm going to be like Linus. My stuff is going to be all doing its thing, but I am looking at you. And I am moving towards you with all I know. You know you're pleasing to God when you're doing that? Do you know why you're so upset about all the junk in you? He put that in you. He put that in you. He loves you so much. He's not going to leave those things unsettled that keep you broken. He wants you whole. You were made in his image. You were meant to live free. So when you have a distaste for the sin that binds you or for the brokenness that keeps you caught in your victim place, that's blessed are you. Because you're agreeing with God. He wants you to come through that. He's given you that distaste. Those that don't belong to Jesus, they're in total union with their sin. There's there's. They don't have this dichotomy within unless they've got this Holy Spirit working on them. If you see the Holy Spirit working on them, pray for them. Intercede for them. Ask the Lord for that, that rub to grow in them. Because that's the Holy Spirit working. See, all morality is really godly. All goodness is from God. There's, there's no earthly goodness versus spiritual goodness. God is the creator of heaven and earth. God created all goodness. He created all good morality. See, what we have in our society isn't immorality. We have amorality. Anything goes. It's whatever you want. Have it your way. But when people are convicted morally... They're really being convicted by the Holy Spirit because true morality is spiritual. It's from heaven. It's from God. It's a created goodness. Jesus is the way, but the Father is the destination. The ultimate name of God in the scriptures is Father. The ultimate New Testament revelation of God is God is Father. Jesus came to bring us to God. The relationship with God as Father produces three fulfillments in the human soul. I want to give you those three. I'll just name them and then I'll talk about them. The first one is identity. The second is self-worth. And the third is security. Identity, self-worth, and security. Do you see why I said that the death of our wrong view of God as Father and our death to our false self are so intimately connected in how we change? Identity. People who truly know God as Father know who they are. Do you know who you are? They're children of God. They can rest in that. This is that peace I was talking about, that place of rest, place of contentment. So you can have rest and be angry. You can have rest and have a lot of trouble to deal with. You can have rest and be discontented about evil. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your whole platform of identity changes to where you don't live alone anymore it's Christ and you together your body is not only the temple of the Holy Spirit it's you and Jesus and Jesus and the Father are one and the Holy Spirit I mean you've got it all 
You've got a new center to live from. You're standing on the rock. You built your house on the rock, not the sand. Remember that reference Clay gave last night from the scriptures? Self-worth. People who have a true picture of themselves. A true picture of themselves. A sense of their own worth. They belong to the best family in the universe. You ever thought about that? You've got a new heritage in Jesus. You have a new heredity in Jesus. You have a new DNA in Jesus. His blood is like you've had a whole, not just a, a transfusion, but you've had a whole new DNA put within you. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. We don't get that scripture. We think my old hadn't passed away. Well, sure. There's a part of you, that outer shell that's still cracking. But you are a new creation. That old creation that you were is dead. It died at the cross with Jesus Christ. You are a new creation. You have a new heredity in Jesus you have been given that place to have union life with God Almighty every day, every moment, to live from that place of strength. What does that do? That gives you a sense of worth. Remember I told you about the paradox that we have as Christians, the humility and the authority? Knowing our self-worth enables us to stand with all humility in our true authority. But what I see most, not all, but most from platforms is persona, power. And it's not God's authority. It's only man's authority. And that's sad. But when there's humility, there's an authority that comes through that humility. You know, the Holy Spirit is a servant God, the part of the Godhead that is a servant God. The Holy Spirit doesn't draw attention to himself. He always spots, spotlights Jesus. Always. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. Arms around you. He's so close to you, you can't see him because he's got his arms around you. Do you see what I'm saying? There is a servant part of us that enables us then to stand in our true authority in Christ. The humility doesn't come from the outer shell or the false self. It's part of your true self, too. Knowing your weaknesses, being aware of your faults, knowing where you are tempted and your failings and guarding yourself in those areas, that's your strengths. That comes out of your true self. This is part of self-acceptance. Making choices, making decisions, and entering, entering through with them. Um, let me talk about security, and then we're going to take a break. Security. People who are safe. Safe. And rest in the love of Father God. People that are safe. You know, it's, it's a miracle in this world and time for a person to have a place of safety to go to. And there's only one place of safety. There's only one place of security. It's not in sticking money back. It's not in sticking food back. It's not in stockpiling ammunition. It's not in going off and living in a monastery. Even though all of those things or some of those things, you know, may or may not be the right thing to do. Ultimately, the only place of security is in the love of the Father. Remember what Clay said? Our friend Lynn Button from England. Inside the Father's arms are what? Feathers. And outsider spikes. We're on the inside. 
We are secure. We're safe. We may feel like we're out here. But you must trust your father so much. That what is going on in your life that is in turmoil, that is crazy, that is broken, that is frustrating, that is going too slow for you, is God's perfect work in your life. He knows what it takes to bring you on the journey into your true self, and he will bring you to your true self. How do I know that? It's in here. If you are a seeker, you will what? Find. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. Filled. 